0: With great data comes even greater access latency. Welcome to the Trino Community Broadcast, where we transform your latency woes into fast insights. My name is Brian Olson, I'm your host.
1: And I'm the co-host Manfred Moser, and today we have two awesome guests with us as well.
0: Yes, welcome uh, Renak and welcome Carol. Hi. Hi. So today we are going to be uh, covering dynamic filtering, uh, which is a subject that uh, these two are pretty much, I would say, the experts uh, on the subject matter. Uh, largely under the Trino uh, umbrella. So uh, we're going to be picking their brains a bit. Uh, also, I'll be showing you all a bit of a demo uh, in terms of uh, how this works, or at least how well it works. Uh, we're actually going to be running a couple queries against uh, a cluster we have running right now in AWS. So uh, it's going to be a pretty exciting episode. Um, we're gonna kind of do a bit of a review uh this this show has been one we've been really excited about we did this show uh how long ago was it like uh, october i think the last time we had you guys on and uh we, i i i had this horrible moment where i like just didn't press the record button <laughs> <laughs> and uh so that was like the last episode and part of me was kind of glad that we did lose that because uh a you know i don't i just think that uh this episode needed a little more buildup needed a little more background for for some of those that aren't coming from the space and uh so we we did a couple episodes building up to this and uh, again we'll be reviewing those a little bit uh before we jump right into this um so um so yeah so typically uh at, at this point uh we we will have we would have like a a starburst kind of uh um uh, uh, basically advertisement. Uh, we, we are not, we, the last one we were doing was data Nova, which has passed and was awesome. So basically all I'm going to say about that is, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, we have data Nova content still available. Um, uh, we will be adding into the show notes, uh, some, uh, a link to basically go access that. Uh, it's, it was a, You know ridiculously cool conference and super successful uh from a higher level if you're you know coming from data leadership uh uh, type type stuff uh you're going to be finding things like you know data mesh and learning about these newer kind of uh, trends in in data analytics and then you know from a more technical uh, perspective uh we have uh, recordings from a couple of the actual um, uh, on hands, uh, hands-on hands uh, type labs that we did with Martine, Dane, and David. Uh, we have some of the talks that were given by Comcast uh, talking about their Trino to Trino connector and uh, just a lot of other cool stuff. Uh, so we, we have that all on demand now. So I'll be adding that in a link to the show notes. Um, other than that, uh, let me uh, pass this over to uh, Manfred. Manfred, do you do you want to... Uh, we, we covered 352 a little bit last episode. Uh, did you want to kind of go over one of the more recent developments there?
1: Yeah, so the 352 release uh, was a while in the making. And last time we were just waiting for the merge of the release notes, And then that did happen and the release came out. Um... It has a lot of features that we already talked about last time, including some new SQL uh, syntax support for additional statements and stuff like that. So uh, it's a great release. Unfortunately, there was one correctness bug um, detected that was actually introduced in 352 and is already fixed. So what's currently happening is that we're going to put out a 350 release, uh, 353 release very shortly. Yep, just so that basically this correctness issue doesn't um, like get basically used in the wild. Um, it's doesn't. It's only like on some SQL statements, on specific joins and stuff. So it's not like it's going to be having a wild uh, impact, even if you're using the 352 release already. But uh, once 353 is out, you should definitely upgrade to it. So um, for sure.
0: Yeah. Is uh? Do do you know? Have any idea on the timeline there?
1: Oh, I think they're working on it literally like now. Right now. Okay. So it, it might be even by tomorrow. That it's already out.
0: So probably by the time anybody on the YouTube side of this is, is watching in, I know a lot of people watch this on yeah. Twitch uh, right after, but if you're watching on the YouTube side, uh, then, then this should probably already be p- uh, published. So just go to um, here, the this little uh, area that I'm in. I'm trino.io uh, slash docs. Um, and... Um, and uh, for current, and if uh, should say probably 353
1: by that time. And yeah, exactly. If you look in the top header of the title, it says three, three 352 there. Mm-hmm. And the publishing of the documentation is like the last step of the release process. The binaries by that stage already landed. Gotcha. So if you see 353 there, you know it's out. And the release notes will have all the details as well.
0: Gotcha. Cool. All right. Um, so yeah, quick overview. Uh, so we are gonna be doing this this background. Let me uh, go ahead and um, pull up my notes. Actually, give me a second to pull up my notes. I'm gonna have to. If you want to uh, quickly cover anything else, Manfred, while I'm uh, searching this.
1: Well, so um, so just going back to the episode we did ages ago with Ronak and Carol we sort of like dove into the deep end. These two uh, <laughs> have been in the community a long time and no press to in and out. Uh, some of the like rather complex sort of things around like optimizations in the query processing and stuff like that. Um, and if you wanna understand what's going on with dynamic filtering, there's a bit more to it. Um, and all the previous episodes uh, that we've talked about what the Hive connector is and, um, all the way down to like different joints, broadcast joints, and uh, these these sort of like foundational or like, not foundational, but like also important aspects uh, pre- pre- pretty much create a good understanding base so that we can talk about uh, dynamic filtering now without uh, the need to like explain every little detail already because you can go back to the past episode and um, always remember that if you go to trino.io, the getting started page has the link to the trinity community broadcast and all our past recordings are available and there's a lot of material where we talk about different concepts the notes have links to the documentation and other aspects as well so um if if you're gonna end up potentially losing our discussion, then you can go back to these old episodes, and I might end up having to do that myself because <laughs> who knows what Carol and Ranak are gonna explain to us, and my my head might start smoking, and I'm like, oh, okay.
0: Something to look forward to. So yeah, exactly. so let me. Uh, I'm gonna quickly kind of do the recap uh, before we jump right into the discussion, um, and then uh, so so hang tight, guys. Just about like uh, 10 minutes for me to cover this real fast, and then we'll we'll jump right in. So, um, so episodes five through nine, uh, minus the eighth episode, uh, which we did for the Trino rebrand. Um, we covered a couple concepts that I think are, are super useful to understand, uh, before jumping right into dynamic filtering. So the first one we talked about, uh, partitions, uh, and, and this is kind of not, we talked specifically about the hive model and how hive is, is kind of, uh, doing this, but in general parti- partitioning as a general concept is also something that you can pull from this because as we get into the more broader concepts of, uh, and, and move on to different things like iceberg, you'll see different ways that people are handling. Partitions, and so this could still apply to to dynamic filtering, uh, but it's just going to be executed in, in a specifically different way. But for the sake of conversation and, and, and kind of how people are doing this a lot today, uh, people most people are using the Hive model, I would say, in terms of our out of the Trino user base, and uh, and so uh, when we look at Hive partitions, they're they're typically when you have a table, you need to the goal is to basically split the table up in such a way that you are ordering rows based on a particular column that you are saying hey this column is going to be pretty commonly used uh if not like in every single query that we run against this table so when we run this we would like to you know co-locate the rows uh that's, that are uh that are that meet this particular criteria into one little section and so, uh, so what Hive does, since it's kind of dependent or initially started out with like HDFS, and uh, and now is on you know kind of as you know, extended out to S3, but you know also uses the same kind of directory concept. Um, you'll you'll store your table data underneath a, a a directory, and then there will be subdirectories per partition, and those will be named have a particular naming schema, which is like column name equals, and then the actual value. And so you, you would see something like if you were to take the orders table and partition it on a field called order date, then uh, you would see some sort of a, a file listing like this in your, in your actual file store. So you would have the orders table at the top level, then you'd have uh, for, let's say the first set of data that falls under January 1st, ni- 1992, you would have like uh, a bunch of various ORC files that, that sit under there. And so when you run this query if you were to have a query that said uh get me select all for the orders uh where orders equal order date equals 1992 0101 then you would return this this big list of files that sit underneath that that data or underneath that uh that that um uh, folder or or uh, directory and you wouldn't have to go to the other directories, say January 2nd, January 3rd, or anything else. You now are only gonna be touching the rows that are basically gonna answer, or at least be candidates to answer the query that you're, you're uh, running here. So, um, so that's, that is um, what high partitioning is doing. Um, then we go on in episode six and seven, I kind of combine those two in terms of this, this look back because we talked first about kind of the planner and, uh, and you know, mixed in a little bit of, of information about the parser. Uh, and then also then talked in Episode 7 about the cost space optimizer, which we pulled in Martine to, to discuss a few things about that. So we kind of talk about how queries are internally represented and how they are optimized. Um, so when you first get a query in, you know, we, we, we get it as some text that is you know, in the SQL, uh, hopefully valid SQL. And so the first goal is to basically get that into an abstract syntax tree and make sure that uh, that, that, that initial syntax tree uh, is, is actually correct and, and this kind of thing. So once we have it in AST, we analyze it and make sure that, that uh, the tables and, and the logic there is, is making sense. So the analyzer moves it into uh, the next phase and then uh, basically validates the AST. And then from there, we have a planner that gets us into a different type of tree, uh, which is called a intermediate representation or IR. Uh, And that's kind of the first form of, of uh, how the cost-based optimizer takes this, this tree representation of the query and starts basically applying various rules uh, and optimiz basically optimizations or planning optimizations, uh, to, to basically make the, a a better plan that's going to run faster. That's going to use less resources and ultimately, uh, get you your data a lot faster, right? Um, we skip episode eight, that was the rebrand episode. And then we go to episode nine and we talk a little bit about hash joins work. And I think one of the big concepts that I wanted to pull here, it was more about like the nomenclature that we use around doing hash joins, which is like, you're going to have a lot of times there's these two types of tables that you're going to have. You're going to have like a build side of the table and a probe side of the table. And the difference between these two is you'll have uh, a build side that is typically going to, you're going to want to have that be the smaller table. And you're going to want to pull that data, that, that table, uh, into memory. Uh, so that you don't have to constantly pull that to disk every single time you're you're pulling in a new value on the probe side it's kind of a nested loop type you know n squared type algorithmic issue right so um so the ideal thing is to minimize the uh the cost of actually reaching out to disk every single time uh you're, you're you're running this and so the build table is alleviating a lot of this this extra work uh that that we could be doing And, um, and so we call that the build table because you're literally building that table in memory. Um, and then you would have a, uh, the other table in in, in reverse is is called the probe table. This is typically larger because you want to have the smaller table fit into memory. Um, and so, so we use that. We talked a little bit about, uh, the hash join and how basically, you know, in, in distributed uh, type of joins, you know, we we basically use a hash hash function to split the different uh, parts of the data across the data sets, uh, and then, uh, or sorry, split the different parts of the data across different workers, and uh, and then once we were finished talking about that, uh, one last thing I wanted to kind of mention is, uh, is basically that there's this other nomenclature that is also used, uh, that's based on the star schema, uh, and it's called dimension and fact table. So usually when people are talking about a dimension and fact table, it, it's usually saying that there's a fact table, It means it's just a really big table. That's t- that fact table is typically going to be what you're going to push into the probe side of your join. Um, the, the dimension table is a smaller table. That just simply has like a list of uh, kind of context to associate with that fact table so that you can actually build up like more meaningful data that gets returned versus just a whole bunch of IDs. <laughs> uh, the fact table is a pretty boring table, actually, when you just look at it bare, bare bones. But then whenever you actually join it with things, it starts to actually have uh, useful data or useful information. So, um, so this dimension table is typically much smaller. And that's when we kind of get into this common uh, pattern of, we, we want to use dimension tables, typically as our build tables. So those will get easily distributed across uh, these, these workers uh, and, and, and basically pulled in and then um, uh, pulled into memory. And then we would have this probe table that would be this, this fact table that would you know ideally just uh, just get you know streamed across as, as we do this join. So the last thing, and I'm just going to quickly touch on this, which is dynamic filtering, um, dynamic filtering then is, is the, uh, another kind of extra <laughs> way that we can kind of optimize on, on, uh, how we, how we are doing these, these joins based on information that we get from the build table. So this is kind of what we're, uh, the big takeaway from, from dynamic filtering is we we can we have these build tables and they have some information. Basically, anything that is inside any any row. So let's say we're joining on a particular column uh, called uh, ID or something like that. So if that ID column uh, is uh, you know any any value that sits in that ID column on the uh, build side or on that uh, that uh, uh, build table, though that those IDs are basically absolutely required to be on the uh, e- equal, at least we're talking about EquiJoin. Uh, there are other types of uh, uh, comparisons, but we're talking EquiJoin here. If you have a, basically a list of IDs that uh, that meet some sort of criteria, you can now take these IDs and say, hey, these IDs uh, need to match for the pr- anything on the probe side. So why would we want to do any work by like basically scanning and pulling any row from the probe side that doesn't meet this criteria so you can actually take those ids that are generated on the build side and you have to cleverly do this in a distributed machine and this is the this is the hard part (laughs) is you have to get all of these ids somehow to the worker nodes that are uh, scanning these probe uh, or are basically pulling in these this probe uh these probe rows and so uh, so that's the the true like kind of art and difficulty that that kind of Renock and, and Carol are going to be kind of uh, covering with us today on how this is uh, working. So uh, without further ado, you know, the PR of the week is the one that we, we were also talking about the last time. And this is the one that uh, uh, Renac uh, was was doing. So this was back uh, June 10th of last year. Uh, finally got merged in. And um, so this was the first one that um, that actually took us from doing, well, we'll get more into what this means, but doing a local dynamic filter to actually involving the coordinator in a lot of this. And so um, I have a graphic to, to, to discuss this, but first off um, I want to kind of hop back into interview scene and uh, see if Renock or Carol have any uh, commentary on, on how good or bad I did at explaining <laughs> dynamic filtering. And if there's any kind of corrections that you, any, either of you, uh, want to pull up or, or just side notes. So I'll, I'll pass it to Renok first. Do you have any, anything?
2: So that was actually quite good. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: do you want, do you, so, uh, did, is there anything I kind of missed in in any of that to kind of like uh, you know like I mean I know there's, so there's a lot of complexity here that we're still missing, uh, obviously. But but from a high level, uh, was there anything else like you or Car- Carol? You guys uh, have anything you just wanted to add before we maybe jump right into this like kind of visual example that I got?
3: No, I, I think it's a good it's it's bit topic. Of course, there are there's a lot of details. <laughs> behind the scene, but on a high level, I think it's, it, 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 it's, 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 it's a, a good explanation.
0: Okay. Okay. So, yeah. um, let me, let me real fast, uh, go through this, this type of thing and, and Renac, uh, can you kind of explain like, so w- there's one thing I'm kind of understanding this, that what, what basically needs to happen, uh, is there needs to be a list that gets generated, but, but you know, how does that get generated and so basic understanding is like coordinator is going to get some some query so we get some query that's select all from some sales table and sales tables are our are, are big fact table right it has a huge amount of rows and we we you know we want to try to avoid um basically unnecessary unnecessary scanning uh and and or particularly transmitting of this data uh where where this da- you know it's going to be like over overwhelmingly taking a lot of time. Right. And then we join that on items table, uh, join them by, by this item ID. And then we say where items price is greater than a thousand. Uh, I stole this from Ramon Zed (laughs) who, who, uh, who did the first kind of local version of this, but today we're actually talking how this would work, uh, in a, in a partitioned, basically assuming that the sales is partitioned on, on, uh, this, this item ID. So um, just
1: just to like interject for a second here. Sure. Uh, one thing that's very important when you look at this picture is that the sales table is like has a lot of items in it. That's why it's like a big blue box, and the items one is small and green. Um, it's small, and somehow Trino knows about that, and that somehow is the table statistics. Mm. So unless the system gets table statistics and knows that a table is big and another table is small, and also in comparison, right? Like um, the items table could potentially be either side in a different query. So for this to work at all, the system needs to know the table statistics of like how many records are in this table, even so it can make those kind of decisions. And that's um, what's visualized here in the size of the boxes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a super valid point. Like stats, you can't do any of this without stats. And in particular, uh, we're going to get to here later. Is like, uh, for the kind of coordinator level, uh, type of dynamic filtering, you, you also need to have this sales table partitioned as well. Right. Uh, there are, you can still have some level of dynamic filtering happen if, uh, if you're, you're, Probe table is in partition, but maybe I can ask uh, Ranak, Can you kind of go into some of the details about like what what uh, what is the difference between let's say a local and uh, and kind of the um, a, a partition level uh, coordinator or partition level um, dynamic filtering that involves like the coordinator instead?
2: Right. So um, so in this example that you're showing here, so we go to the second slide. So Uh, So let's assume that uh, this is a partition join. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen is that uh, you have this items table and uh, we're going to hash partition it and send a portion of it to each worker. Mm -hmm. Now um, each of those workers uh, is already aware about uh, the dynamic filter from the plan fragment that it has received from the coordinator Mm -hmm. so like we assume that the optimizer has done its work and put in the dynamic filter at the right place in the plan okay
1: so let me ask a question right there so that's already different from a standard broadcast join right like in the standard broadcast join from all i understand is the whole like it's like theoretically like the whole items table would be moved to each worker what you're saying here with the dynamic filtering it already knows and is smart enough to say, well, actually I can make this even more efficient if I chop it up into separate pieces and give each worker only a part of it. Is that what's happening?
2: Um, so pa- partition join is like a ex- existing concept. Like So dynamic filtering just uses it. So.
1: Okay, so, so it I, sits on top of that. Yeah, yeah.
2: So like in this case, uh, we started with a partition join. So uh, what's going to happen is that uh, as the build side is being processed on each of these worker nodes, each of them is going to uh, be collecting uh, the values from the build side, uh, which correspond to the join key condition. So again, like based on the plan, it knows that uh, which columns it is interested in and it needs to keep collecting those values. So, uh, and then like, as, and when the build side processing finishes, each of these workers is going to have to communicate the values that it has collected back to the coordinator. And why, so now,
0: why is that? That's just so that the coordinator has like this, this entire list and can actually adjust the plan afterwards, kind of like on the fly based on, based on this list.
2: So, uh, So so the plan exactly isn't changing. So Hmm. what's going on is that, uh, so unless you know, like all the pieces from the different workers, you do not know like what is the complete filter. So you cannot Hmm. start filtering out at the coordinator level. Gotcha. uh, Because you'll just have a partial picture. So the advantage of sending things back to the coordinator is that all the like operations around uh, creating splits, uh, listing files in the partition, all that is going on in the coordinator. Gotcha. So once the coordinator has the full picture, then regardless of whatever was your storage format and whatever was the joint distribution type, it can then like go ahead and start uh, just uh, like avoiding even listing the partitions which it doesn't need to read and then... Even for the partitions where it has started listing things, mm-hmm. um, it can like asynchronously receive the dynamic filters and like avoid generating further splits from there.
0: Okay. And, and if it, it at this point has it, cre- like it hasn't sent any of the splits yet to the, to the workers regarding the sales table, right? This, that gets delayed so that the, all these steps on the build table can happen first, right?
2: So, uh, so that is like an optional optimization. So by default, uh, like we go ahead with actually reading the sales table uh, okay. because we don't know like whether or not the dynamic filter is going to come and when it's going to come. So that's why we don't pause the processing there. But uh, recently we did add a feature where uh, you can like, tell the coordinator to delay uh, like scans on the sales side and like wait for the dynamic filter to appear first and then it will start listing so yes depending on the workload you can like figure out what works well for you so
3: so the reason for that is that uh if you have a very short query very short very small join Uh, you don't want to introduce additional latency. So that's why we start reading splits in Hive before getting dynamic filters. Okay. In other connectors, it's not necessarily the case, right? So for Hive, it's not a problem that you start reading the probe side. You can still apply the filter later on. If you have other connector that, for example, is issuing query to underlying RDBMS somewhere, uh, you just have one chance of sending dynamic filter there.
2: Mm. So
3: for, for for other connectors, it's it's more beneficial to wait for the dynamic filter. But it, it's not a you know it's not a easy, it's not a zero or one decision to wait or not. It's it mm. kind of depends depends on the context. So this sometimes might require some tuning. Like for Hive, it's fine. But if you if you implement your own connector, that uh, it seems uh, Supporting dynamic filters, mm-hmm. and you just have one chance of applying dynamic filters to your solvers. Then you should try and to wait for the dynamic filters a little bit more, and uh, maybe tune the parameter. Maybe I should wait by default one second or ten seconds or, okay. or, or more.
0: And that's what this—that's what this uh, blocking timeout uh, dynamic filtering probe blocking blocking timeout uh, property is doing, I guess, right?
3: That's
0: for Hive. Yes. That's the Yeah. And this is per, it's so it's a per connector type setting, and not all connectors are going to have this. Now, um, it is, so you're saying it's more beneficial for others, but like what's the, what would the trade off be in Hive if I started pushing this this higher? Obviously, it's like it's going to delay my query, but is that actually, so is the trade off kind of like if I wait a little longer for my query to like to run, uh, and it's going to take a little extra time if I start bumping this number up? Is that going to save me maybe on like how many resources I'm using? Right? Is that is that what you're ultimately saving yeah, in, on?
3: You could save resources this way, that's true. But uh, when we introduce a new performance feature for Presto, we first don't want the first thing that we should not introduce any regressions to the existing code. So by not waiting by default we preserve the current performance and only improve the cases. Hmm. Uh, while if we enable it by, de- by default, like waiting for dynamic filter uh, in Hive Connector, we, yeah, that for some workloads that this could potentially inc- introduce some uh, increased latency, for example.
0: Hmm. Gotcha. Okay, so uh, sorry to, to sideline us a little bit, but I was uh, that was a kind of interesting uh, uh, sub, sub thing I thought other people might also find interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. So, so we, we now are giving, we, we've basically given, uh, this list, uh, this dynamic filter list to the coordinator. It now has this, this list that it's, uh, working with. So, um, that, to basically do this pruning that you were, were talking about. Um, what happens after that?
2: So, um, so now at this point, uh, like once the dynamic filter is complete, then like the coordinator just takes advantage and like just generates fewer splits, less fewer partitions, and uh, everything runs faster. So like for the coordinator DF, like this is pretty much it. Then okay. like, we can talk about the node local uh, part if. Yep. Maybe yeah.
0: Yeah. Think... yeah. I'd be. I mentioned to talk about that. So that that's different from what we have. So I'll keep the picture kind of ready, but let me just hop back here. So, so in contrast to what we just talked about, like we this one's involving the the one. This is the one that you actually implemented in in uh 1072, right? Yep. So so before that, uh, we had uh uh Roman said uh, from Verada, uh, he, he had kind of one of the er- earlier iterations and this is kind of a more local, uh, uh, taking, taking over a, uh, uh, broadcast versus splitting up the items. So can you, yeah, explain maybe the flow there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So like he had a very good insight that, uh, like this coordinator DF requires a lot of complex coordination and like, it's been kind of like, uh, hanging around for a while. So in case of broadcast joins, there's no need to like do inter-node communication and you can just like take advantage there itself. Yep. So uh, so the idea is like very simple that uh, in case of replicated joins, every node knows the whole build site. So like, it doesn't need to like wait for anything else from anywhere. Yeah. What, what it can do is that uh, if the probe side scan is also like part of the same stage so it can just internally uh, read the dynamic filter that was collected from the build side within the same node and then now uh, it can use that dynamic filter to uh, like you just push it down to the ORC or parquet reader and then over there like you get the usual uh, stripe or row group level pruning that you get even with your static filters.
0: Yep. So there was, uh, when, when you did your uh, your blog, were you comparing against the local dynamic filtering or were you just comparing with zero dynamic, or like no dynamic filtering at all when you were doing the uh, uh, probe, uh, the, the uh, dynamic uh, partition pruning versus? Right.
2: So at that point, uh, the node local part was already merged and uh, on by default. So like all the improvements were on top of like whatever was already there.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And, and your comparison was to just like zero dynamic filtering versus like dynamic partition pruning.
2: I uh, know. Uh, so, uh, like the node local dynamic, uh, filtering was also like already there. Okay. So,
0: Oh, I, I, I think, uh, let me see. So. Particularly in this and these, uh, what is it? No, oh, no, it's not this one. Um, I have it from here. This.
2: Uh... So actually, like there is a like interesting reason why like the results are so stark, even though node local dynamic filtering is there. Mm-hmm. So. So the reason is that uh, when you do this node local dynamic filtering, and the dynamic filters are being sent to your uh, O R C reader, uh, like the, the data there uh, may not be like laid out in the best possible way for all your uh, predicate push down to uh, like filter out the data. So, what's going on in the O R C Parquet reader is that you have these min max ind- indexes for? Pro groups and stripes and like for that to work really well uh, like ideally if you had sorted the data by the dynamic filtering columns then it might be that uh, those results would also have been really good but in, in this case like sort of uh, the situation was that uh, the orc data layout wasn't ideal and uh, which it won't be in practical scenario as well yeah and where, whereas for your uh, partition pruning it's uh, the partitioning is doing like a sort of indexing operation on the table okay got it got it got it so, so
3: coordinator uh, coordinator dynamic filtering doesn't help yet that much with par- unpartitioned tables right so if that, that's where the local dynamic filtering helps the most
0: say could you say that last part again
3: so local dynamic filtering helps for unpartitioned tables and coordinator mm. dynamic filtering helps for partition tables
0: gotcha okay yeah so when you're having to basically scan everything already uh you're you're wanting to use local the local dynamic filtering because you're not having to do all that extra work uh involving the coordinator but then when you're uh, dealing with uh, things, uh, 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 basically a table, a probe table where you know it's partitioned already, uh, then that's where it's going. you're gonna basically say, hey, this is basically worth the cost of involving the coordinator because now I, I actually know I'm gonna be able to cut out quite a bit of extra work here. Is that? I
3: mean, coordinator is always involved because processing of dynamic filters is very inexpensive. So the additional overhead is negligible so we always send them to the coordinator gotcha
0: okay um so so back on to this this comparison here uh we looked at this this baseline and this dynamic partition pruning this this baseline was looking at uh how just without no no dynamic filtering at all or was this um uh was this with comparing local and um, and dynamic partition pruning.
2: Okay, so, yeah, with node local turned on.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So that was. I think that was more my my uh, my question, my misunderstanding there. Um, uh,
1: so from 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 the perspective of seeing those performance enhancements, they are already like pretty significant uh, in both, like in, in the dynamic partition pruning, and then also when local filtering is happening. Um, do you have some sort of understanding of how large like the benefits are? I'm, I'm kind of guessing that like, I mean, this is a guess now. Um, the benefits are getting even bigger when the, when does the, the overall table size that you are like querying versus the subset that you actually want to return um, is, is large. Like when that difference is large, then the, the savings of like, the difference in terms of data you have to load is bigger. So the bigger the table you're actually querying, you end up essentially getting more benefits from it relative. Is that kind of true?
3: I would say yes. Uh, Well, I I mean, this is all relative. So if if your queries are 10 seconds, then if they are 5 seconds, that could be important for you, but maybe not. If your Mm -hmm. queries are half an hour versus 5 minutes, that's that's probably more noticeable uh, yeah i mean usually so you do, do you
1: see in practice with the test data that you've been playing around do you see improvements like that i know we like we had a little tpch test scenario that brian is going to play around later and we saw like a 3x factor for example in terms of improvements so, what so... what sort of range of improvements do you see from like you know percentage values to whatever
3: Oh I I like you see the charts here, but in the yeah. there, there, there were some improvements in the meantime, so we pushed the boundaries even far further, uh pretty significantly. So <laughs> I I don't know what would be the end to end improvement. I would say very drastic actually. So so, so t- uh, t- like say is... let's
1: say like a ten times improvement is, is easily like is is totally in the ballpark or
3: yeah a few times four times plus something like that i don't have the numbers it depends on the connectors too right so for, for example uh we, we like i mean starburst have has has also RDBMS connectors that utilize that and for some of the connectors the the difference is even more drastic than, than mm. Hive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and is that because we're also able like the is that because like the indexes on those RDBMSs are like really good? Like I guess this would assume like they already have some sort of index that makes that scan a lot faster as well. Is that fair or?
3: Well, uh, uh, maybe not indexes, but we save a lot. You can save a lot of bandwidth by pushing additional predicates to the underlying database. Like usually. Mm-hmm. What you have, if you have, with 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 all kinds of tables, you partition them, them by the temporal temporal columns, for example, date. Mm-hmm. So this is where dynamic filter gets you the biggest gains. So you can imagine that uh, for a RDBMS like Oracle, if you can filter the data ten times, because you have data for 20 years but you are only interested in two years that would give you 10 times the gain that, mm. that might not be necessarily the case uh, with the hive connectors sometimes because like we mentioned we um, we also we start reading the probes we start enumerating the probes even before waiting for dynamic filters but i would also say that presto is pretty fast on 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 uh, on, on distributed in, in Hive connector, so uh, it's harder to squeeze uh, much more performance to already very fast
1: uh, connector, right?
0: You mean Trino, but right? That's a
1: good problem to have, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's already so ludicrously fast. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's pretty cool. So, without further ado, like I feel like let's let's we're, we're talking all these kind of hypothetical numbers. Let's let's go ahead and run the demo, no? Um, yeah, sure. So, uh, so we're, we're running, uh, a couple, I mean, th- this is, I basically based a lot of this off of, uh, Renox test setup here. Um, you know, there were a couple of these tables, uh, that, that were set up. So we, we pulled in these, these are all basically the fact tables of the TPC DS, uh, queries. Uh, so we have, um, uh, four worker nodes. Uh, and then we're, instead of our four, eight X large, we got, our uh, five, four X large machines. Uh, so we got four of those workers and we have a coordinator on the, of, of the same size. Uh, we pulled in this data and, and partitioned it by, uh, by these date fields. Uh, and so, um, so when we have this partition, we're, we're going to be using the, uh, the dynamic filtering that, uh, that Renac, uh is, is uh, implemented in, in 1072, um, and so let's go ahead and check that out first. I think the uh, so we have our uh, our little cluster running here, and um, we what we want to do is uh, we've we've already logged in uh, using. Can I
1: make that spawned a bit up, Brian?
0: Yeah, let me. Can you guys see that pretty well?
1: Yeah, yeah that's good.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so basically we, we've logged in, we're, we're using the Hive catalog, we're using uh, SF100 schema. Um, so uh, just for an idea of like, uh, let me see what's one of the, uh, we'll go with, I don't know which one's bigger, but we'll just do a count real fast of like select count and uh, from catalog sales.
1: So, just for anyone that's not familiar with the tpc TPCH connector, it basically can, like, it, it has the data built in. It's just a connector, but it's basically like a pre filled database with test data that you can use for benchmarks. And it has these different schemas, like from tiny to SF, like 1, 10, 100, and so on. And the higher the number, the more data is in there. So you, that's a very useful kind of little connector because, like, basically, you just throw that one connector file onto your Trino cluster, and then you have all this test data available that you can use to really put the pressure onto your cluster and yep. get it to sweat a lot and work really, really hard. And that's essentially what we're doing here.
0: And and basically, if you, I mean, if you look at the schemas here, uh, here are your options. We'll say uh, show schemas. Uh, and I don't know if I can do this whenever I have the catalog pre-selected. Let me see if that works. Uh, but TPC it should still work. It should. Okay. Uh, so let's try Is it. it. TPCDS. Yep. Yeah. It, we're, so we're using TPCDS. Uh, this has slightly bigger and more uh, uh, useful uh, uh, thing. But he, no, he, it
1: has the same schemas, as it's just different data.
0: TPCDS versus TPCH.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very very similar. I feel it like has the same schemas.
0: They both have. Uh, I thought it was, uh, it has the same schemas in terms of scale factors, but it has yeah. very different. So <laughs> we're using the two different versions of schema. I'm, I'm talking about schema from like the data is... Uh, data schema (laughs) (laughs) over overloaded words right um so yeah so typically if you're like running a local test you can use tiny and it's never going to be too too bad to run that like on your laptop or something sf1 sf10 is is where you start kind of experiencing a little things bigger and maybe start getting even a little too much for your laptop so then sf100 is where we start kind of seeing slightly bigger uh row, row counts and stuff like that and so uh if you really want to get to benchmarks you're, you're looking at like you know sf 100 sf 1000 and i mean as you go higher and higher obviously yeah so
1: your catalog sales table they had what like 15 million or something
0: yeah so this is yeah. no 143 million uh,
1: 140 million sorry. yeah so it's pretty significant
0: and and i mean we're, we're joining so this this query here actually does a union between a catalog sales and a web sales table so they're actually like you know, I, I, it's maybe about a factor of two. Maybe if web sales is about on the same order of catalog sales that you're pulling out from this uh, big data set. But anyways, without further ado, let's let's run the dang query. So um, we're going to, oh, you know what? I almost forgot. I want to do this without. So let me, uh, quick, quick uh, uh, property you can uh, set up is somewhere in here. It is right here this uh, set session enable dynamic filtering equal false. Uh, so we were basically turning the dynamic filtering off. So this was like pre pre dynamic filtering with like not even local dynamic filtering. So let's turn that off.
1: And by the way, I'm working on getting a PR to enter to the documentation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, nice to have that. So. Run this. Uh, really cool because we can now uh, watch this on the live. Uh, so it's in the planning phase. Um, we, this is also a very, it's a cold. So actually it may make sense to run this twice because this is going to be extra slow uh, in all fairness to to uh, this running without um, anything. So let's let's go ahead and run this uh, twice. So it's running now. We should be able to pull up the live plan. I don't know if it's going to. Zoom disabled, Oh, crazy, yeah, I forgot. This
1: is the the normal Trino web UI.
0: Yeah, I I happen to be using a Starburst cluster right now, but but yeah, it's it's very uh, very very similar.
1: Yeah, the dynamic filtering features are all in Trino, right? Like on the Hive Connect. Yep. Is that right, Carl and Renac? Yeah. a so, core this.
0: Yeah. yeah. And one thing you can to for to help us later, we'll, we'll we'll be able to remember which one we're dealing with by seeing this nice little session properties view, um, yep. and uh, seeing that which one we set false, and then we'll we'll set this here to true once uh, this is done running. So um, this is the s the fun essence of doing this stuff live, right? <laughs>
1: But, well, like, oh. it's quite amazing, actually. Like the the web UI really helps you there. Like you can literally see how Twino is grunting through the work and what's happening in terms of, like, especially also the plan and the life plan. Yeah. Um, you can see how it like tries to figure out what's going on, what data it pulls in, what it's like basically, essentially gonna try to do. So, um, there's a lot of detail here, and you can like really dive in and start scratching your head over it. <laughs>
0: So let me uh, go real fast and uh, copy this again because I don't feel like pushing up a million times <laughs> to get back over that query. So we're gonna set that now to true. So we've turned in, uh, dynamic filtering back on. Let's uh, run this one more time. And I'm actually going to run I, I will will run the uh, live plan or the uh, um, I will run the uh, turned off dynamic filtering here in a second uh One more time because that was a cold start, so it's kind of a uh ruthless way to compare but if we did see let's look at how long that actually took um the last one, so that was a minute and four one 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 about one and a half minutes uh for uh, i think it's that c p u time and then uh qu- wall time is about the same so this one still running we're at about 39 and it just finished so finished in 40 seconds with the dynamic filtering on so let's go ahead and take a list in half about less than half but let's we'll be fair a little fair and let's actually try to rerun the first one here in a second but first thing i wanted to point out i thought was uh great most of the the insights are going to be here down at these like kind of leaf nodes where we're actually pulling the data from uh this this location and, uh, you're actually going to see a huge difference here. So, uh, if we go into our query, uh, live plan, we'll see that the data here is 600 megabyte and 120 megabyte, and these, these get unioned together. So this is coming from the, uh, what I had shown before in that uh, query, we have web sales data and we have catalog sales data. So let's go look at where that was at. So that's at this, this union all here. So we're literally pulling these together into a kind of a single uh, like a extra set of rows and uh, so we have catalog and web going into the same thing. So if we go back to the live plan that's what this this is doing right here is we're actually just merging these into one one piece and uh, you'll notice that the dynamic filters that get sent down here uh, this is actually uh, you know basically passing down that set of um, in this case it's the I, item SK value so if you look at the join it's uh, item underscore sk equals i item sk so that's this particular uh predicate right there so we see since that pushdown happened we only had to scan in 600 megabyte and 120 megabyte and we compare that over here that's 3.64 gigs plus 1.83 gigs so it's pretty significant. Uh, and that makes sense. Why, why you're going to see that, that, uh, level of, of, of difference. And if we had, you know, if we had gone up to the scale factor, that was even higher than this, we would, we would see a much more significant difference, but let, let me do that. One thing I had just kind of said, uh, Oh my God. Hey, this ready.
2: I think there's a shortcut for that. If you type set session and press up, oh it'll
0: no way i i I learned new so many oh my gosh that's so cool (laughs) (laughs) there's some this i I gotta say real like just a quick aside about our our cli is just that it freaking rocks (laughs) Because it like it's just so cool how when you get these results back that it's basically like just the less command and you can just go like pro, like go up and down and you can actually change that too. Uh, this is something Dane taught me is you can if you wanted your your command uh, there's like uh, your 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 results to come back and like open up in Vim you could actually have it open up in Vim if you wanted to.
1: <laughs> like yeah, there's, there's there's a there's a good tool. That's uh, custom written, sort of as a like command line, sort of like renderer for Postgres. But you can put that in as an as a replacement, um, and then it like does the nice table layout with like ASCII characters and stuff for that. So
0: yeah, yeah, it's 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 insane how much work and and how cool like how I don't know just there's and something new I always learn about the CLI every day, and so this was another another quick and easy one. So thank you for that, Renak. <laughs>
1: You, huh. you can tell uh, that Ronak uh, and Carol are using that thing every day. Yeah,
0: <laughs> not us. Not like us losers, <laughs> just sitting here on broadcast, toying around with the CLI, and we're just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> all right. So I
3: actually, I actually also to learn about this quite recently. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs>
0: I don't yeah. feel. Thanks for thanks for making me feel a little bit better, Carol.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's command completion and all sorts of cool stuff in there.
0: Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, we need a
2: query is running. Like you can actually go and see the query info JSON and like look at the dynamic filter that was actually collected. So, so that will give a more concrete view of what happened.
0: You're talking about in the UI, or is like there's the JSON that that po- pops up like over here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This, um, or or is this something that you can do in the CLI? like some
2: so in the web ui like you can uh, go to the oh. query info
1: yeah um, i just like realized the, the very last uh the very last I'd, yeah that's i realized
0: i wasn't showing my screen so yeah what i what i did was i came back to the live plan for one of these and i and i opened up this json plan um yeah actually can you speak to some of the benefits uh, a lot of people uh get confused whenever we ask them for this like in in slack channel and they'll they'll send this over uh this basically has like everything that the the UI has, and I guess more. Is that like?
2: Yep. So everything that you see in the UI, like it comes from here. Okay. And gotcha. And maybe like one or two more sources, but at least the query level info is all like basically from here.
0: Oh,
1: cool. It's good for sharing debugging information. Basically. Yep.
2: And in then this one, like you can see, like there's a field called dynamic filter stats and
0: oh uh, that nice.
2: will like exactly show you what's the filter that it built and like in and used in the coordinator uh,
0: underscore filter
2: um so it should be uh, camel cases oh okay dynamic Didn't... filter stats uh
0: is that is that right or mm. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Filters, yeah. stats. Okay.
2: Yeah, filters.
0: <laughs> oh man. So this is yeah. So this is basically everything that was used in across this. And this is actually kind of hard to read because we have so many. But but uh, if you so if you wanted to actually correlate, let's see what was it here. So if you if you pulled this out and you said okay, this is DF three two o six for that uh, that sold date SK, then that's actually you you can go to DF.
2: <laughs> what did I just say?
0: three two oh
3: six three two better names for the filters
0: <laughs> hey no that's fine i mean as long as you can oh here we go and so these were the simplified domains. so this these were the two like literally the this is the list of yeah. of i of ids that were sent over right it's
3: yeah. simplified but yeah
0: okay okay that's cool okay. that's really cool <laughs> uh, But what's
3: what's interesting there is that you can take a look and you know it tells you how long it took to collect the dynamic filter on the coordinator so this is kind of interesting
0: oh cool so this could actually help you determine if you needed to uh if you well let's say if it wasn't worth your time to to basically uh run these or to, to basically have dynamic filtering run for a query. Is there, is there cases where you don't want, like you explicitly want to turn it off? So I know we had it disabled in the beginning when we were kind of like in beta phase and then we eventually made that normal to, to have it turned on. Why would somebody turn off dynamic filtering?
3: Uh, I think it should be on by default. It's <laughs> on by default, but it's, it's designed in such a way the lim- the default limits are so, so uh, set, set in such a way that it should not produce any regression. Gotcha. And it should only give you benefits.
0: So, so a little bit better run this time when we turned it off and, and we had it warmed up. Uh, so one, uh, we had a, about a minute and, and about like, we'll say a quarter. A minute and a quarter, but still like comparing to a it's minute still, and a quarter to 40 half, seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, practically half. So, so that's good. Um, I, I mean, yeah, so exactly half. Right. So um, so I, I think like, I mean, that's that's uh, that's pretty awesome. There's a couple uh, uh, pieces that we also wanted to cover. Let me uh, pull that up. So so that's more or less the demo there. But I wanted to also uh, go into a couple other uh, aspects. So one of them, oh, yeah, here is the one I wanted to check out. So we have semi joins, right? Uh this these are kind of special cases. Can uh one of you uh like either of you kind of uh, feel like talking about semi joins and what makes that a different I mean we this was a whole a whole entire different implementation from the original, right? Like how you guys had to uh accomplish this and, and what makes it different.
2: Carol, you wanna take that?
3: Well, uh it's not that different okay because uh i mean we collect dynamic filters by the set by using a separate operator so we don't have to change a lot in the, the in the other operators really so it's only most it's mostly planner phase uh, planner changes uh so and... this was pretty pretty quick to implement to be honest uh and actually there's another thing that recently we actually changed that semi joins, the one that do filtering are replaced uh, by inner joints so in preston now it's very you can very rarely see a semi join okay in, in the planner uh, and this was actually because uh, semi joins were not taking part in CBO too much. Uh, it's hard to flip sides of, of semi joins. So by making them inner joins, we actually improved a couple of queries quite significantly.
0: Okay, yeah, and, and just to be clear, uh, so semi join is is where one of the tables or pr- and like part- particularly like an inner table uh, is is not uh, is basically you're not pulling you're not like pulling back any of that data. You're not. You're, you're basically getting using it to get some sort of aggregate, but you're not actually returning any of that data. Is that correct? Kind of a uh, uh, silly way to, or how would you define semi-join? So
3: I would define it as a, as, this is a set operation. So you have a one element and you ask, oh, is that element part of that set? Uh, is it or not? Uh, and when it, when it's filtering semi-join. You will immediately later drop such elements that are not part of the other set, uh, but you can also use it in projections. So if you if you write select uh, x in subquery, you would get a result true or false uh, whether x is in that other set, and this is also realized by semi join. So that's a non-filtering semi join. It makes it creates a projection that gives you this boolean. So this is very very similar to inner join especially when it's filtering uh, but there are also differences so there is a special handling for nulls right so if you have a, if you have a let's say X in uh, 1 two 3 uh, comma null uh, null is treated as I don't know so a result of of the expression X in null would be null. So this is, this is a little bit different than how it works with Energize.
0: Um, Renok mm-hmm. actually gave me an, uh, an example. Let me see if I can try to run it uh, real fast, and then we can maybe even talk to that a little bit. Um, oops. Okay. Let me... So let me know if you can see, see this. So this is like a select on a date, and you're doing a count uh from store sales and then you're saying where it's in and then we have this kind of nested query that's uh basically pulling um from web sales uh and web sales is uh we i mean i think to me I, I was thinking like the idea is that we're not actually the that we're not actually uh returning any of the data other than this, this particular column from from web sales for this equi- join, from this semi join, I mean. Um, so,
2: yeah. Um, so, so like in English, like I would say that like this query is looking at uh, uh, the dates from web sales, uh, which have the highest sales mm-hmm. and then uh, looking at the sales in stores for those dates.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, but you're the, I think the, the cool part about this is that you're not really returning a lot of data from web sales. You're really just using that to get a, that, that what, uh, um, Carol was saying is like this set of the, basically this list to kind of determine, you know, what, what to actually return on the store sales side. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we'll run that and let's see what happens on the query plan side.
1: So Renak and Carol, you both oh. are like working on a bunch of other uh, performance improvements and have since then. Is that what's happening? What's 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 currently on your on your radar, on, on your plate? What are you doing? Oh,
3: so uh, like I said, in the meantime, there were some significant improvements to dynamic filtering. There were some other improvements to Presto related to joins, how they're executed. Uh, there were some improvements to... How the rank function was being executed, so that was the yeah, slowest query. That of, not yeah, that was the slowest query from all of the TPCDS, like one third of the uh, around one third of the total wall time of the one terabyte TPCDS. Uh, uh, we are planning actually to land further dynamic filter improvements, and maybe Rana, you could like, talk a little bit more about this, and this should give. Another, I would say, around fifteen percent overall improvement in Trino. So, so yeah, so we have some good, mm, good topics to work on, uh, and expect further improvements in Trino.
1: So how, how how do you know like what to attack in terms of performance? Do you compare with other tools or? You just oh, look at the benchmarks, or do you get a lot of like feedback from people that have queries that say, "Well, this one is really slow, and I don't know why." <laughs>
3: oh. All of all of it. So we do bench. We do all ideas. We try them experimentally with benchmarking. We have feedback from the customers. We have input from comparison with different tools. Um, we have some, you know, pain points from our. From our clients, from users, uh, from community. So yeah, so there is a, there is a lot of inputs. Like, um, but I would say we have, uh, uh, yeah, we are we are pretty busy with with the, with the with what can be improved. Like there is a lot, there is so much things that can be improved. So uh, yeah, I mean, there is more work than hands.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's hard to find people like Ronak that like you know understand all the complexities and like or yourself, right? Where it's not just yeah, you can it, just take some graduate it, student student out of a university and go go for it. <laughs> like there's a lot to learn. Well, right? there is a
3: lot. There's a lot to learn. Like I would say, it's more about getting familiar with the project and the domain. So this is uh, this is this is a knowledge here. Uh, yeah I mean everybody can have good ideas right So it's someone someone yeah, could come fresh fresh and see something that we don't see right? So there is total, there is a lot of place for improvement.
1: Yeah that's cool.
0: Well, um, to be honest this this query is not finishing anytime soon. Uh, first time I, I ran it, oh, here we go. So first time, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first time I ran it, uh, uh, I actually had to cancel, uh, the one that we had going before because, uh, um, because I had still had the dynamic filtering turned off and it was at already at two minutes and I basically just had to cancel that. So if we look at the, uh, if we look at the failed, this failed one here. This was at like two minutes and two point ten minutes, right? So I was just like, this this isn't going to finish within the time, and we need to start wrapping this up, right? So this actually, with dynamic filtering, finished in a minute. Let's let's quickly jump into this. Uh, so this is how we would see um, the semi join being handled. And so uh, I'm actually going into this blind, so I might actually need some help from uh, from Carol Renock to kind of uh, make sense of this. So. This is. Uh, we need to look for the one where we're where we're actually. If we look at the query, we're actually looking for web sales, right? To see what was passed down to web sales, to kind of understand. Store sales. Say again.
2: Store sales. Oh, just
0: store, store sales. Okay, so this is this has this dynamic filter which is the sold date disc, and that is pulling from. There's a higher filter predicate. Does that filter predicate have, have anything to do? No, that's that just has to do with the uh, the external, like, uh, between big int and big int. Uh, let me go back to the query one more time because, so we have these two, um, this filter that's, that's set up here. Oop, I'm getting mixed up here. Let me just close out the rest of these here. So uh, are you guys able to see that at all? Yeah, so so sold date, uh, SK is between this range, is that actually coming from and is not and or it's null. is that coming from this how we handle this uh, semi join? Or do we have to actually look at the dynamic filter 748 there to understand that better?
2: yeah so you just like look at the dynamic filter and then i I think the rewrite of semi-join to inner join has also happened here oh (laughs)
0: that's so in that case uh with with what uh, carol had just said we basically got rid of the semi-join and so we we no longer
2: like you can also try turning that off (laughs) <laughs> then you will see the actual semi join. Well,
0: uh, assume so. How would let's just talk through how this would have happened. Uh, so, what would have actually ended up happening would have been we wouldn't see this join here, right? This inner join yeah, is is what got Instead of
2: inner join, it would say semi join. Like, uh, otherwise, it would more or less look the same. Like, the shape doesn't change that much.
0: Okay. And in terms of the actual implementation and in terms of di- dynamic filtering, Um, we, this one actually ends up pulling from what the web sales, or is this actually here? This is pulling Web sales. Okay. And this is actually generating that, that, uh, that set that we're basically trying to say only, only these that, uh, that come into the scan filter. So, um, so what actually, when we, we've changed this to an inner join, but like, uh, in terms of implementation, from a dynamic dynamic filtering perspective, what changed from what we, I guess, described earlier in the PowerPoint slides?
2: Um, so n- not a whole lot actually. So 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 le- let's say like instead of the inner join rewrite, it was still a semi join. Mm-hmm. So w- what would have changed is that uh, like now the optimizer would try to plan a dynamic filter for the semi join mm-hmm. node as well. Yeah. Uh, and then like, on the execution side, again, uh, j- just like uh, it knows how to uh, insert the dynamic filter source operator for the build side of inner joins, it would do the same for semi join as well. Cool.
0: OK, well, that makes sense. Um, so I mean, I think we're pretty much at time. Like, uh, is there anything else uh, we kind of missed that? Uh, uh, I'll start with you, Renok. Did you have anything you wanted to kind of uh, talk about regarding like dynamic filtering or, or any other thing that, uh, people should be aware of, uh, looking forward to on this. I know we covered a little bit of the future.
2: Um, yeah, I, I guess like, uh, one positive development is that like, we also saw like community members, um, get interested in like adding dynamic filtering to other connectors. So like, we had somebody like put up a PR for Kudu. That got merged, and somebody was working on Iceberg, so like, yeah, I mean, this is a easy way to contribute. Like, plenty of connectors in open source, and yeah. fairly straightforward to like just keep adding dynamic filtering support for those.
0: Is Iceberg still in progress for for dynamic filtering right now?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that PR is still like work in progress.
0: Cool. Well, I'll definitely have to check that out. I didn't, I didn't I wasn't aware I was I I was waiting to see like I looked in to see if there was any dynamic filtering before the show. And, and I was like, oh, man, it's not an iceberg yet. OK, well, whatever. <laughs> um, how about you, Carol? Anything else you'd like to kind of point uh, users or at least say be about dynamic filtering before we uh, we hop off?
3: I would say expect further improvements of either dynamic filtering or other uh, other means uh so we are constantly trying to push that here
0: awesome yep well thanks a lot for joining the show today guys uh, uh manfred anything you'd like to share before we hop off
1: no um i think um this has been awesome uh thanks for joining us guys um there's definitely a lot of details and for anyone interested make sure you check out our show notes and also the blog post and stuff like that that links to Um, The other thing I wanted to uh, mention is I'm really looking forward to completely change subject next time when we uh, talk about the whole client-side, tone usage. And actually, I think you have a guest from the Apache Superset project, is that right?
0: Srini, yeah, he's a developer advocate over at Preset. Uh, He is going to be talking about, uh, so uh, Preset is the, uh, one of the enterprise solutions that sits around uh, Superset. Uh, So so we're gonna be uh talking a little more uh visual at that point and kind of seeing how Presto's used from a from a client aspect. Yeah. It's yeah. gonna be really fun.
1: So I'm looking forward to that. It should be very interesting as well. Yeah. No CLA next time. Yep.
0: Yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no CLI next. Well, I mean we could always well, still well, use this. Maybe the CLI. we'll
1: do a CLI episode <laughs> sometime. I think that's a probably a good idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think just literally talking the whole time on CLI, we need to bring uh David and, and Renok and just have them uh show, show you and I a couple of pointers on, on that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, uh, only other thing I wanted to add before we hop off is, uh, you know, we, we have these user testimonials, uh, that we've been, uh, getting slowly, uh, increasing on the Trino site. Uh, and, uh, basically it's, uh, here, let me, let me just pull that up while we're yeah, it's like talking about it or something now.
1: Yeah. It's getting we're actually changing the layout. So it's not so many well, <laughs> so it's Still as many, but it's not as big on your, on your mobile device. Yeah. So but, yeah. Thanks for everyone that, Brought some up, and um, we're always happy to get more added. Anyone that is using it, it can even be just a logo. But of course, if it's an actual testimonial, that's even better.
0: Yep, definitely. So, yeah, if uh, if, uh, and you can get uh, any if you're not sure what to say in your testimonial, you know, you just kind of read what uh, some of the existing companies that uh, have already put some out there, you can kind of get an idea of of what most people talk about. And then you can also give us a website uh, where we can actually point you to, uh, you know, your 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 company's website or or in particular, like an engineering blog or something like that. Um, And then, uh, you know, another call out is uh, We, you know, want to always get the community involved in other ways than just uh, coding, which we're very happy for those of you that are contributing code. But also, you know, if, uh, if you're, um, doing something really cool, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, was a while back with, uh, with all this dynamic filtering stuff before we had it, um, you know, write a blog about it and and tell us, you know, if you've done some cool benchmarks and seen some really interesting insights, uh, we, we want to know about what's happening in the Trino community and, uh, hearing from people other than just, you know, me writing blogs about random stuff. (laughs) So, uh, so with that, um, you know, thank you uh, both again for uh, joining our show and, uh, until next time, uh, uh, thank you all for joining us as well on uh, twitch and and uh, YouTube and and all the other platforms that we uh, put this out on the uh, podcast as well. So thank you all and uh, music for the show is uh, by Mega Man Six gameplay by Christoph Slawakowski and uh, see you all next time.